This is the Epilogue audio experience. I can go to the internet. I can take a printout of the Mona Lisa painting, right? And I can uh, have it in my uh, in, in my house. I'll probably get some viewing pleasure from having that painting uh, in my house. That doesn't mean it's my painting, right? Like uh, you know, I cannot obviously if I call you up tomorrow and say that Hartik, we want to buy this Mona Lisa, you'll be like, why would I buy it from you, man? Like you know, you have mm. taken the you have just taken mm. a photo of that painting and you have uh, hung it up. But the museum, which actually has the painting, it is their asset, right? It's an authentic piece. Tomorrow, if they want to sell the painting, they'll get millions for it. Why? Because that is the original uh, painting. Hey everyone, I am excited to bring you on this episode. Atharv Sabnis, founder of It's Mine, a social plus marketplace for officially licensed sports NFTs. Now, if you are someone who's wondering whether this is all Greek talk or geek talk, well, let me assure you, it will be not. Make sure you share this episode with a friend, colleague, or a family member, and get them up to speed on what NFTs are, and particularly all the rage around sports NFTs. Welcome on Jamsters, Atharv. It's a pleasure to have you, man. Hi, Hardik. Uh, thank you for having me here, man. It's, uh, it's my first uh, podcast recording ever. So yeah, I'm super excited. Lovely, lovely. Great to hear that. Atharv, I want to jump right in because there is so much craze, rage happening globally around NFTs, Web3 and Metaverse and whatnot. Let me start off by asking a basic question. What are sports NFTs? Um, so so basically, Hardik, you know, if, you, if, if you look at from a broader co- context, right, every, uh, every time that a sports event takes place, okay, um, so say like a sports match happens, uh, India-Pakistan match, for, for example, in uh, cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. match right, is a moment in time of sports uh, h- history. That same match will uh, never again uh, appear, ever. Um, it will never ha- happen again. So an NFT is one way to capture the ownership of that particular moment of uh, sports history. So if you mm-hmm. look at a cricket match, for example, um, you know, in a cricket match, typically you see the match uh, live streamed across various uh, news, sorry, sports channels and so on. But over there, as an audience, what you're going to see is a broadcast of it. But uh, what an NFT lets you do it, is that it lets you own a piece of that moment in time. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. And this is particularly unique because... So it is. It is. So it is unique for multiple reasons, right? One though is that uh, see, capturing one moment in time is one uh, one angle of uh, NFTs, non fungible tokens. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. other part part of it is that around the world of sports, you know, historically we have seen that there is a lot of collector enthusiasm and value in collecting sports mem- memorabilia. So mm-hmm. people have been collecting autographed jerseys, balls, bats, and all of all of these accessories since a long time. And um, this has all been collection as physical assets. Now with with the whole, uh, you know, 2013-14 revolution which happened with uh, Facebook and uh, Zynga, uh, you know, Zynga games mm-hmm. which actually got people into the habit of spending real money on ownership of digital goods. That was really the mm-hmm. starting point of getting people used to the idea of owning an asset digitally. And what an NFT lets you do is that it lets you own in addition to moments of time, it lets you own all this cricket memorabilia and, uh, you know, all the collecting collectible items like trading cards and so around it digitally. And, um, you know, that is, I, I don't know if it's like just a Gen Z thing, but uh, Gen Z and onwards, there is a lot of comfort in the idea that it is equally cool and equally valuable to own, own an asset digitally as it is to own it physically. So that mental block that, you know, I want a physical asset only does not exist uh, anymore, which is why NFTs have picked up. But what makes NFT a better way of owning digital goods is, is that there is this whole concept of a blockchain, right? Blockchain is hmm. nothing but like a massive public Excel sheet, like a ledger. Hmm. This Excel sheet, what happens is key. If you, if you take a cricket bat, for, for example, and you, you know, in quotation marks, if you mint its NFT, what you are effectively doing is that you are creating an entry of authentic ownership on the blockchain. Now, because of mm. the nature of the blockchain being a decentralized uh, system, nobody can ever tamper or modify that uh, entry. The entry is going to be visible in perpetuity to everybody forever. So what Now say that I have minted this NFT of a cricket bat and, mm. uh, and I want to sell it to you. 
Normally, what would happen is that if I am selling you just a cricket bat, a physical bat, for example, you as a buyer are at risk of being sold a counterfeit. True. Or, you know, if I if I sell you a digital version of a bat, say on just like an e-commerce platform, you are again at the same risk. I, I might sell you a, a counterfeit or I might sell you a, a replica or a duplicate or, you know, whatever the terminology mm. you want to use. Mm. And NFT, what happens is what I'll be, what I'll be giving you is the NFT hash itself. Hash is basically like a transaction record on the blockchain that uh, this bag right. was minted by uh, XYZ party and now I have the ownership of it. And what I'll be doing is that if I'm giving you my NFT, I am giving you the NFT as a, you know, it becomes another ent- entry on the blockchain that the NFT got minted, Atharva got its first ownership and then Hardik mm. got its second uh, ownership. Now in your mm. mind or from your perspective, this is equivalent to, you know, if you buy a land, for example, you do this whole uh, chain custody ka scan that who all has mm. owned the land previously. So you okay. want to make sure that there's no disputes and so on. So blockchain is just a more efficient way of doing this chain of custody uh, analysis. That's very interesting. You know, you mentioned a little while back that uh, you're not sure whether this is like a Gen Z thing or not, but you've seen that people are okay uh, choosing virtual assets over the physical assets. Um, And this sort of, you know, got me back to thinking that the whole madness around virtual real estate has has blown up and how I think we will definitely talk in the course of a conversation because this is something that has been of a particular interest to me because it's it's a trend that I'm still not able to grapple with and, and I do want to make sense of this. But one step at a time, um, what are some of the terms that if someone would want to get up to speed with what Web3 or NFTs are, what are the five to six terminologies people should be aware of? So, so, okay. So, so there, so there is a very interesting uh, blog. Um, mm. I just can't recall the name, but I'll send you the link uh, after this. That blog now mm. is like the Oxford uh, dictionary of uh, Web3 because uh, <laughs> the Web3 community has come up with so many different uh, abbreviations, terms and True. words. And uh, there are, I, th- I think uh, last time I checked, there are something like 755 uh, entries. But in Crazy. terms of the top, top four or five, na? NFT itself, okay. It's like a very uh, important term to know, non-fungible token. Um, but this is basically, you know, the whole idea of a non-fungible token is it's, it's not it's not complex. The whole world is non-fungible. Non-fungible just means you unique. Matlab one mm. NFT and another NFT cannot be uh, technically the same thing. So if you have a painting and you have an NFT of the painting, that NFT only represents that painting. I might have an NFT of a different painting, but I will never right. be able to have the NFT of the same painting. And if I have it, then it's a fake NFT, which can easily be verified on the blockchain that it is not the authentic one. So non-fungible token is the very first uh, terminology. Um, Web3 itself is the other main uh, terminology. And uh, Web3 basically just means that, uh, you know, currently our uh, our entire internet is uh, highly uh, centralized within, uh, you know, the, I think it, if there's a handful of companies, right? Like they, we have we have the Googles, Facebooks and Amazons of the world who have basically right. centralized all of our internet uh, usage. And that is how they get their monopolistic power. So they are the they are the web two in internet. Web one was what got started the World Wide Web. Um, the mm. dot, dot, dot com boom and all happened in Web one. Our whole uh, right. the whole rise of uh, social media and e commerce happened in Web two. And now Web three is just a an, another uh, step step in the evolution of the internet, wherein mm. the trend of Web three is that platforms are trying to be more decentralized. So Web3 is another uh, important term. The other important term would be uh, FUD, F-U-D. Um, hmm. You know, if you, if you join any crypto group on uh, Telegram or WhatsApp, or if you look on Twitter, for example, people keep talking about FUD, FUD, FUD all the time. FUD basically stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So hmm. anytime somebody makes a negative remark, on uh, the state of crypto or, you know, the Bitcoin to bubble hai or any kind of a remark, which, uh, which may be interpreted as something against the Web3 culture and the Web3 uh, fundamental that is called as spreading FUD. So FUD is another mm. important term. Recently, uh, the other important term is a token itself. So mm. uh, and token and coin, right, are two very, are, are, I think the most uh, important terms. Coin basically is that. In the Web3 uh, ecosystem, there are a lot of uh, cryptocurrencies which are created with the idea of them becoming payment instruments. So Bitcoin, for example, is a coin because Bitcoin, even though now it's like a digital asset, 
it wasn't envisioned to be a digital asset it was supposed to be a payment mm. mechanism so it's a coin but a t- token is a different type of a coin wherein that cryptocurrency of a token is not meant for making payments it is meant for participating in whatever ecosystem or application or software is being created by the web3 entity so if you take a video game for for, for example and you buy a mm. token in a video game to so the token's value in the video game is that it might give you an in-game boost certain access or all such things whereas a coin would be something that you would use for making payments so token and coin are another two very important uh, important terms and i think these are literally the top uh, four most important ones in crypto and if you get mm-hmm. these four right and if you know the difference between a coin and a token firstly then i think that difference itself uh, empowers you to navigate a lot of the web3 uh, landscape and the funny part is that a lot of people use coin and token interchangeably which is completely mm-hmm. incorrect and uh, misleading you know it's uh, almost funny when we hear about the kind of investments people want to do in this but with very limited understanding um of what they are really investing into you mentioned that this was not bitcoin particularly was not sort of envisioned as a as a digital asset class uh, but it has now become one of that uh, also other uh, you know cryptocurrencies which are actually being traded so frequently i'm curious to know man um inherent value of a cryptocurrency is what like what is it that is backing the momentum the volatility of any value of a cryptocurrency so 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 hardik at, at the most fundamental level right you know our our entire monetary system currently including the us dollar is hardly like a few like you know maybe like a 100 years old right because uh, even within within the 100 year span when nixon actually took the us dollar off the gold st- standard since then this question has been there that what is the value what what, what is the de- derivation of the value of a us dollar as a as a as a monetary uh, instrument right and the mm-hmm. answer is that because countries and people have agreed to uh, to exchange goods and services for a certain value of unit of the us dollar the us dollar mm-hmm. has an indians uh, value uh, there is there is literally as of today there is no backing right we we, we are not on the gold standard anymore so you cannot go and redeem the us dollar against a physical uh, asset from the federal reserve itself they are not mm-hmm. going to give you anything. similarly in the cryptocurrency space now it's not much different you know if you if you look at it the us dollar went off uh, gold standard in the 70s or some something like that now in the crypto market 2010 when uh, bitcoin actually picked up some steam people started coming to a joint consensus that for one unit of bitcoin they would be willing to part away with x number of us dollars and it was just mm. a consensus mechanism which kept ascribing value to uh, bitcoin but what happened is that unlike the us dollar or unlike most national currencies the rush and influx of money which came into bitcoin caused that ascribed value to spike very 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 fast so uh, hmm. you know normally uh, nobody would have envisioned when bitcoin got started when it was like in the in, in the few cents dollar range that would be trading at 40 50000 but today that that is where it is where it is right but if you ask me the question ki inherently what is the value that there, there are just two things right our monetary systems conventionally are based on monetary and fiscal policy of the government the governments around the world make certain decisions with their monetary and fiscal policy to try to maintain certain value of the currency and you know they might do inflation deflation and so on to keep that uh, cycle going in the case of bitcoin it is not a it is not a it is not a government backed uh, currency but it is an algorithm backed currency in the case of bitcoin mm-hmm. it is the algorithm which uh, decides ki based on the current uh, level of demand for bitcoin how many more new bitcoin should be created and because the algorithm is designed in a way that for every level of increase in demand the difficulty of creation of bitcoin will also go up it is uh, supposed to maintain that parity between uh, demand and price 
Interesting. So I definitely want to unpack there a couple of things which uh, stood out for me. So one, you're telling that uh, the value of a cryptocurrency is based on the massive consensus around it. So for example, because Bitcoin was the leader in the space um, and there was a community rallying around it is where uh, the maximum traction is. Um, but when you compare it to the emerging uh, cryptocurrencies, which are probably in thousands, um, is there is there a large portion of it which is scam because people are trying to mint and not really have any inherent value in it? It's more like a quick fix, you know, get rich scheme. And uh, compared to what we are talking about, which is the actual hard currency that we hold, and there are you know people talking that eventually the hard cash will all go away. It will all be digital currencies. You will not need the hard cash to transact value with. What are your thoughts on this? So, so there, there are two schools of thought, right? I'll, I'll give you my my own thought process first. See, you know, in the case of a coin, right, like, like Bitcoin, for example, it is very clear that the only value derivation is the consensus mechanism of uh, price. But but then, like I said, you know, in the beginning, there is like there, is, there are two terms, right, coin and token. Now, in the case of a token, at least there is a there is a more uh, there is a more nuanced or a more intellectual way to arrive at uh, value. For example, if you take the case of a token like Matic, which powers the Polygon uh, blockchain. Hmm. Hmm. So Polygon blockchain, what it does is that, you know, it is a blockchain where if you make transactions, you earn what you call gas fees. The blockchain earns uh, gas fees. So hmm. a gas fee is how the blockchain makes re revenue. So in the case of Polygon, the the value derivation is basically a function of how many how much gas fees they are earning. So for for, for example, mm. you know if, you, if just recently uh, Sandeep Nailwal, the founder of Polygon, spoke at a conference where he gave mm. like a very fundamental uh, breakdown of the Polygon value. Right? What he said is that you know if say you know so basically just just to kind of set some context for that, Polygon is a proof of stake blockchain. Right? That basically means mm -hmm. that for you to be able to earn that gas fee you have to stake or lock in certain uh, Polygon uh, tokens. And these tokens basically earn you interest, so so to say, in form of mm. uh, more and more uh, tokens of uh, Matic. The way that value works is that, say, if you have staked uh, X number of tokens and you're getting $1,000 uh, as your uh, earnings and uh, gas fees, then as a as a, as a an investor, right, how you would ascribe value is that, uh, you know, you would look at your other options. For example, if you have to earn $1,000 by making a bank FD at say uh, 10%, then how much mm. would you have to uh, stake? You would have to stake or have you, how much would you have to deposit? You have to deposit $10,000, right? Then on $10,000 at 10% rate of interest, you will earn $1,000. Similarly, mm. in the case of Polygon, if you have to, if you have to earn $1,000, you have to stake X number of uh, Matic tokens. Now the, mm. now the benefit over there is that, you know, every country has different, different uh, interest rates and a lot of the big markets where, uh, you know, tokens and coins are uh, traded very heavily are in the Western countries where interest rates are dismally uh, low, you know, in the 1%, 2% kind of a range. So mm. in that case, what happens is that they look at it from the perspective that if you have to earn $1,000 in the bank, you have to put $100,000. Whereas you could put that same $100,000 into uh, a blockchain like uh, Polygon, and earn uh, $1,000 in uh, gas fees, which is still a liquid earning for you because you can obviously sell that uh, $1,000 worth of metric tokens on any cryptocurrency uh, exchange. And plus you are able to bypass the entire banking uh, red tape, banking fees, charges and all of this. It's like an instant uh, transaction between you and the blockchain uh, itself. So over there, it becomes a bit easier to ascribe value because it is simply a function of, uh, you know, how much you have to stake in order to earn your desired level of uh, income, so to say. So in the case of a blockchain like Polygon or in the case of any proof of stake or proof of work blockchain, where they are actually having some utility, which enables earn people to earn something, the price will always be dependent on the fact that how much would people want to earn? And then uh, based on that amount of earning, what are the other options that they have uh, available? And then typically in the cryptocurrency, because it's a more volatile asset, people seek what we call a risk premium. So that simply means key in the bank, if you want to put a hundred thousand dollars and earn $1,000, you know, your hundred hmm. K will always remain hundred K bank. Hmm. In like, unless it's like an extreme uh, scenario, but in the case of right. a blockchain, the fundamental value of that hundred K itself might change the principal value. It might become 80, 90, 70, 200, hmm. whatever. 
So what so what people would expect is that if I'm putting 100k worth, I want at least uh, two three thousand dollars, not just one thousand dollars, and uh, and that arbitrage between the conventional banking returns and uh, staking returns on blockchains is what uh, serves as a function of value of most utility tokens. Yeah, that does make sense. So I want to sort of also, uh, you know, circle back to the question that I asked you earlier. That does this then, according to you, and all the hypotheses around the conversations around uh, the the cryptocurrency being uh, a very potent force to actually eliminate hard cash? Is that a possibility? Yes, absolutely. So you know, the whole uh, the whole idea behind this, right, is that digital currency is not is not something new anymore right with the rise of uh, fintech apps uh, we are anyways used to the idea of mobile wallets uh, you know you pay, just paying using our phones and stuff all over the place in fact japan i think is the one country which has the highest adoption of digital currency and even china is doing really well on that front so blockchain is just another way to do these uh, digital currency payments the only difference being that unlike unlike a conventional fintech app where the underlying asset which you're trading is uh, you know linked with a centralized institution like a bank or a central bank in the case of a blockchain there is no centralized institution you only have the yeah. blockchain itself to deal with but even the blockchain is blockchain is not responsible for acting like a bank it is not supposed to be be that so yes definitely uh, cryptocurrencies have the have the uh, potential to replace conventional payments for the simple reason that uh, you know the way that the bank business models work right is that they want to earn uh, transaction fees and so on you know kyc is like a big thing um, and there is a lot of uh, onboarding red tape so to say so if so that basically means that say if you are staying in dubai and i am staying mm-hmm. in some uh, european country and i want to send you a 100 dollars via a bank right the process of me sending a 100 dollars via a bank is at least 7 uh, or 8x more uh, tedious and lengthy than the process of me sending you a hundred dollars worth of uh, say the USDT token, which will just take mm. me like a few seconds, you know. All I need to use your wallet address. I just uh, put the address and the money is gone directly to you. There is no centralized uh, entity, and the best part is that you can uh, I can verify that you have received my money, and you can ver- verify that you have indeed received it. You can also verify who had where it has been sent from, and uh, all of these things. So it's instant. The confirmation is instant. processing is instant and the the time saved is uh, mass, massive and i think the time saving and convenience part na is what uh, bitcoin was also hoping to bank on but just because of the nature of things uh, you know it became too expensive to use uh, bitcoin to actually make uh, smaller denomination pay, pay payments so gas fees essentially are uh, the brokerage fees if i could say that equivalent of it for for a platform so gas fees are uh, you know gas fees are Okay, so here is one way to look at it, right? Say uh, you have a house, you you give it on rent. The house which you give on rent is your asset, which is the token itself. The rent which you get is the gas fee. So it is the mm-hmm. it is the earning which you get on your holding of a particular uh, blockchain's cryptocurrency. Because then other otherwise, how will the blockchain be able to incentivize enough people to participate in its network of nodes mm-hmm. and transactions? Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things with uh, blockchain is the transparency right i think it makes everything so open um is it also a cause of concern that all transactions are open everyone knows their holdings is is that a cause of concern or there should be some privacy around that uh so i you know i you know basically it's like a philosophical question right the the entire the entire founding community of bitcoin put a very very high uh, value on the transparency uh, aspect and uh, i don't think that there is anything wrong with having uh, transparency because at the see at the best right what do you see on the blockchain you see that which wallet holds what but it, hmm. but basically this is if you give me a wallet number and i see that the wallet holds x number of uh, rupees unless you tell me it is your wallet i have no way to track it back to you right as a person so hmm. in a way you have that level of uh, insulation already but the transparency is necessary you know why because in the case of a bank na if i send the money to you and tomorrow you tell me ki mereko paisa nahi mila um i have the bank to call call a call up and ask ki hey what happened in the case of right. a blockchain who am i going to call and ask there is no one to call right so it is necessary right. to have that uh, level of transparency where i can myself verify ki you have received it otherwise the otherwise the model won't work interesting so the idea is to become like a self regulating platform and not really be dependent on a third party to ensure whether a transaction happens or not 
exactly right um when uh, you know we talk about the space that you are in and it's mind space that is dealing in sports nfts one of the things that uh, you, or even when it comes to like you know just digital art for that matter um when someone purchases an image atharva um in in the times that we are in which i still believe are early times would i like to get a take on that uh, whether uh, you know is someone early in the nft space even if they start off right now in 2022 uh, but the question that i'm trying to ask her is that you know is it just like not possible for someone to right click and save an image that you've already purchased what is stopping someone from actually you know using that digital asset which actually you've spent real money to invest and and, and actually purchase it I think the most uh, dumb level of answer on this, right, is simply that, you know, I can go to, um, I can go to the internet, I can take a printout of the Mona Lisa painting, right, and I can uh, hang it in my, uh, in my house, and um, I will get the, I'll probably get some viewing pleasure from having that painting uh, in my house. That doesn't mean it's my painting, right, like, uh, you know, I cannot, obviously, if I call you up tomorrow and say that, Hartik, you want to buy this Mona Lisa, you'll be like, why would I buy it from you, man, like, you know, you have just taken the, you have just taken a photo of that painting and you have uh, hung it up. But the but the but the museum which actually has the painting, it is their asset, right? It's an authentic piece. Tomorrow, if they want to sell the painting, they'll get millions for it. Why? Because that is the original uh, painting, and a painting is just you know back in the day because because of the fact that uh, the people who created all of these artworks did not have uh, digital means to create the artworks. They actually did it by physical paint and uh, canvas. But now somebody like an, you know, an artist like B, B people actually going and creating a piece of digital art on his laptop is not much different than uh, Picasso putting strokes of brush on a canvas. And of course, you know, you can obviously go to people's website or Instagram and take a right click of his, uh, you know, take a screenshot of his image and uh, have it. But you don't actually own the image, right? Hmm. Only the person hmm. who's purchased the image from people gets the ownership right that, hey, I have purchased this image and right now it's my asset. And if, you, if I want to sell it, then yeah, I can sell it, sell it to you. And the best part is that because it's an NFT, right? Everybody gets to see that people have sold this image to you. So when you want mm -hmm. to sell the image, na, all that you have to do is that you have to transfer that particular transaction hash from your crypto wallet to the buyer's crypto wallet. In that way, the buyer has complete comfort that hey, people sold this to you. So, so that wallet entry is visible on the blockchain and then you are selling it to me. So the, so the end buyer has complete comfort in the fact that this is a genuine people uh, artwork. And the best mm. part is, that, you know, back in the day, if somebody like, and say, even not back in the day, even to, today, when, when these artists uh, create artwork, one of the, you know, that, so the most artwork has two business models around it, right? One model is that of uh, primary sale and one mm. model is of royalties on secondary sale. In the real right. world, it is extremely difficult to enforce the collection of royalty because you know people uh, find ways very creatively to bypass that entire uh, system because the whole fundamental very true. yeah so so in the but in the blockchain in the nft context what happens is key royalties are automatically programmed in the nft smart contract itself so the artist without lifting a finger does not have to worry key say if tomorrow i buy people's artwork and I sell it to you right and people has a 10 percent royalty on it people does not have to call me up that hey Atharva, you have sold my artwork so you owe me 10 percent it is an automatic thing which the blockchain will do. By whatever value I sell you the artwork for, 10% of it will go to people automatically as a smart contract without people or me or you having done uh, anything. I see. So with It's Mine, you also have your own token, right? Which is mine. Um, can you talk about that a little bit and why did you want to come up with your own token system and uh, create an ecosystem for it? So, 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 so I, I think... Uh, yeah, sure. So, so we, you know, basically, it's mine. Just, just to this for the people who don't know about it, right? Um, it's mine is a social plus marketplace for official sports NFTs. Now, simply put, what that means is that it is a social network for sports NFTs. And uh, for those who are f familiar with any NFT products, the best way to think about it's mine is that it's mine is a combination or a hybrid between uh, Reddit and uh, NBA Top Shot. And mm. uh, what, what that basically means is that, you know, people will come, they will see all sorts of NFTs, which are listed on the It's Mine uh, application, and they can have all kinds of conversation around these NFTs on the application. And why this becomes important is simply for the reason that currently people are buying and trading NFTs on marketplaces like OpenSea, Rarible, Mintable, and, you know, there are a few hundred of those now. Uh, but yeah. All of the social conversation, so both positive and negative, right, happens on mm. 
various uh, social media platforms like you know a, a number of discord servers telegram groups uh, whatsapp groups uh, twitter handles and uh, so on so there is mm. a there is a so there are multiple platforms being uh, used and leveraged for the same set of digital uh, assets and that causes like a you know like a information gap so to say because uh, i might be I'm, because i might see an artwork on open sea and i might see its uh, discord community on uh, on the discord server but hmm. there might be a few hundred other people somewhere else on reddit or somewhere else talking about the same artwork but because i don't know that they are there i am my my view of that artwork is only limited to what i'm seeing on my own discord uh, right Right. So the idea of its mind is that is to do for NFTs what blockchain has done for Web three itself. So we want to create transparency and have one single pl- platform where all the conversation can happen around a particular set of uh, NFT uh, IP. And uh, what we have done is that you know because it's a social network of sorts, there has to be a mechanism to be able to incentivize people. to move from their conventional platforms to our platform to have this conversation and the best way to reward this is to give them some kind of a monetary uh, benefit for participation and that monetary benefit which they get is in form of uh, mine tokens which is the cryptocurrency which we have created so that we are able to uh, incentivize and reward the right sort of uh, behavior and the right sort of behavior on its mind by the way is not that you come and like you know butter up an nft publisher the right sort of behavior mm-hmm. is that you come and engage in conversation it could be negative or positive that doesn't matter to us right like how reddit uses ai based bots to moderate the conversation we'll have the same mechanism mm-hmm. to prevent abuse threats and so on but basically it will be an open platform where people are people are able to express whatever they feel about a particular uh, artwork and what we did now is that the whole purpose of uh, creating this cryptocurrency was twofold one was like i said to reward people for their engagement and usage of the application but the second and the very key pur- purpose of it is that what we want to do is that the nfts which will be listed on it its mine will be of multiple uh, categories so there will be like you know vip nfts regular nfts and so on so the vip nfts will be reserved for those who hold certain number of mine tokens plus a lot of nfts are sold on an auction mechanism in an auction mechanism it is highly okay. inefficient to require people to first you know pay up the entire bid amount and then they have to wait for the bid result and then if the result does not come in their favor then they have to wait for a refund to come to their account and even mm-hmm. though currency instant the platforms who do this bidding right they just uh, sit on people's money for some time and you know do something with it before they pay it back as uh, refunds so what we are doing with it's mine is that we let you make bids on nfts to the equivalent value of the amount of mine tokens that you hold without actually taking the tokens away from, from you so it's like a secure okay. way of bidding for nfts it's a way of incentivizing people to act a certain way on the platform and to participate in that community and it is a way for us to be able to uh, even uh, reward creators such as sports brands who come on the platform because a lot of these sports brands uh, are currently taking money to come and uh, you know give their ip rights or so on to create uh, nfts so in this case instead of instead of actually pledging them money we pledge them uh, mine tokens so and that token basically acts like our de facto cur- cur- currency for whatever uh, behavior and uh, actions we wish to see in the marketplace interesting interesting um you know with with all that you're telling uh, and the kind of evolution that has happened all across the ecosystem globally not only in india um for someone who wants to enter in the nft space whether you know that's from the perspective of being a collectible perspective being a collector of sorts or you know just uh, looking it as a perspective of making money or just being a fan and just being a participant in what is happening right now like how how early or late someone is in this game at this point in time so so i think you know we are like uh, i think we are not even on day 0 yet like you know it is just the build up up to up to day 0 and um, it is very 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 early but having said that right i just want to put like a disclaimer that you know people buy nfts with the expectation that you know somebody sold their nft for like a 500x uh, return so you and mm-hmm. i can do this but you know those kinds of transactions are still outliers right there are like a few nft collections which have had that kind of a spike in uh, value so i would suggest that yes while it is definitely early 
it is like any other cryptocurrency itself right it's like any other any other investment you know there will be a lot of investments in this which go to zero value but uh, but the good ones or at least the mediocre ones will uh, sustain and appreciate a lot in the in the t- times to come and why i see it's early right is uh, basically based on data so if you look at uh, a game like minecraft hmm. minecraft has like something like 114 million uh, users okay Every, every month who are actually uh, making uh, purchases within the game participating in the community and so on but it has been been around for quite some time and it's a very popular game within the gaming uh, community but on the other hand the most popular nft wallet which is metamask only has a monthly active user base of 25 million Hmm. So when that twenty-five goes to Minecraft level of hundred million, you would you can imagine what kind of trading volume will uh, kick in. And when that hundred million expands to even higher n- numbers, this is just going to keep keep growing. And the reason it's going to keep growing, right, is that a lot of uh, people who are like like you touched upon earlier, the whole uh, development of uh, metaverses. So a lot of people who are building metaverses are building metaverses in a way that for you to be able to accessorize or flaunt. anything in the metaverse you have to own it as an nft so at one point when um, metaverse adoption starts becoming more to more mainstream the demand for assets which are nfts will spike up because if you look at a metaverse where you know for example if, 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 if there is a zoom metaverse in that zoom mm-hmm. metaverse you know maybe you and i want to have a chat in like a 4d kind of a fashion but now if you want to be in your office i want to be in my office and we want to have like a couple of cool paintings around us we can't have physical paintings in that metaverse right we have to have nfts of those paintings so the demand is going to keep, keep go, going up for nfts that is for sure it is just that uh, which nfts is the is the question which uh, i think it's matlab nobody can tell but the, 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 there are a few signs which i think are uh, indicative and you know basically if you go to any seasoned nft collector and by the way seasoned collectors also like very new in the market because the whole industry is new but since right. there are people who we call uh, you know those who have made some money this they typically have like a very good uh, rule of thumb when they come when it comes to deciding whether or not they want to make an nft purchase the first rule of thumb is that if it's a new nft pro- project the purchase price of that nft or the minting price should not be more than 0.1 ethereum so close to like i see 2500 3000 dollars ka 10% so like 2 to 50 dollars 10 dollars right it should not be more than that for the initial uh, minting price and secondly the artwork should be something that you think is cool because if the if the underlying artwork is shit right then no matter what that nft is not going to be able to uh, be flipped for a Profit. That is true. That is true. That's a, that's a very valid and a very basic point. Where I think I think you should be invested in the art more than the the dynamics and the economics around it. I think that's like such a basic thing. But I think most often forgotten because the 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 craze around it is way too much. Yeah, craze is way too much. And you know, the one of the reasons the craze is way too much, right? Is that funnily there is like you know, so basically not funnily, right? It's like a very I think I think we are very fortunate that we are in this time where Bitcoin is like basically this century's biggest wealth creation. event that has happened right and i don't think that um, you know something can easily uh, replicate the kind of wealth creation opportunity that bitcoin uh, offered but there are a ton of people i think most of us have not uh, you know been able to uh, capitalize on that wealth creation uh, event which uh, bitcoin uh, caused but now what people are doing is that they are trying to find parallels between the the trajectory of the nft market and the trajectory of uh, coins like uh, bitcoin and uh, the assumption is that uh, in case nfts follow a similar trajectory like uh, bitcoin and they turn out to be the next big wealth creation event then the people mm-hmm. who have missed out on bitcoin don't want to miss out for the second time and the people who have not missed out on bitcoin they obviously want to you know multiply their money even further and they have the liquidity now to do it so that is so basically these two factors are like driving the adoption of nfts like crazy you know it brings me to uh, a a a thought that has been on my for quite some time since we started this conversation and I wanted to touch on this with you as well is that uh, you must have followed the spat between uh, Jack Dorsey and uh, Mark Anderson right on twitter okay. and in which i think Jack Dorsey tweeted particularly and i quote you don't own web3 the vcs and their lps do it will never escape their incentives it's ultimately a centralized entity with a different label 
what is your thought on this and as someone who's deeply plunged into the space uh, how far do you think this is true so what are the like you know, it is it is uh, so I, th- i think i think if you look at the entire web3 uh, as a as a pie chart right some 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 something like uh, something like 94% of all the web3 pro- projects are backed by uh, vc money only like wow. 5 or 6% are actually community capital uh, driven wow. and uh, you know obviously jack dorsey has seen this data and probably a lot more than this data so he's saying that and which is completely completely true but you know the so yeah i mean it is true but the other other uh, the other validation to his claim right is that uh, the idea behind web3 was that web3 should benefit the common man right it should benefit mm. like a mm. public benefit it should benefit um, a decent it should benefit in a decentralized uh, nature that was the core uh, idea behind uh, web3 but what happened is that the people who made a lot of money in the early days of uh, bitcoin are the people who became uh, blockchain uh, and web3 uh, venture capitalists and then uh, bitcoin ironically now even though it was designed to be the payment instrument for the common man bitcoin's concentration of wealth in a few hands is more pronounced than any other currency in the world and the statistics on this are wild but uh, one of the things which i saw recently from a from a very very respected crypto influencer was something like 94% of the bitcoin in supply is held by just uh, 2% of the total wallets wow oh wow and, uh, that's you know, that is like so that is crazy. exactly super screwed so so not screwed like screwed and skewed both mm 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 Wow. But the but the I'm other flip side to this na is that kya ho raha hai ki had this not been the case na Hardik had the VCs not been such a big part of it maybe it would have died down as as a trend you know it was it would have not had the rocket fuel to uh, grow at the pace at which it is currently growing in a way it is good that the VC money is in the space because that VC money has fueled the tremendous growth that is that we have seen over the past uh, few years otherwise if you think about it in a decentralized manner it's extremely difficult to raise capital from like a few thousand people yeah like you know it is much mm-hmm. easier to raise from a small group of people and then have them make that big bet then have a few hundred or a few thousand people make smaller bets uh, each so obviously you know it's like a it's like a two sided thing that without the vcs being in the space the web3 ecosystem would not have propelled to the level at which it has reached uh, to today but because now they are in the space obviously the incentives uh, are aligned in a way that will reward them much more heavily than the common man which will then cause the skew of uh, wealth concentration to become even more skewed interesting so essentially from from what i'm understanding this would be then because vcs and their lps have taken outsized bets uh, you know the asymmetric risk for actually investing in a really new technology um do you then also think that because they hold a certain kind of cryptocurrencies which are in their wallets is then when they make a statement that drives the incentive forward further for them and that is why like a few cryptocurrencies will have a lot of dominant advantage over someone who doesn't have the vc backing or the community backing So, so what 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 we have noticed right is that uh, be it in the crypto market or in the stock market ultimately the the retail community has a lot of power right and if you if you followed the example of so did you follow the example of what happened uh, in the US with uh, GameStop hmm 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 that you was mental community the common man screwed over a hedge fund and uh, <laughs> the hedge fund has had to liquidate its short position on GameStop ah uh-huh. so, so you know similarly in crypto also na the the community has has ultimately got more p- power than um, the vcs because of not because of the fact that there is more uh, money so to say but because uh, it's just a game of numbers right you know if 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 save save in in, in one uh, in one uh, blockchain or one uh, crypto pro- project you have say 20 uh, vcs and you have uh, 3000 uh, normal uh, retail uh, investors the 3000 normal in retail investors advocating for your p- project over a sustained period of time will have a better uh, implication on your project's performance than a few of those vcs advocating uh, for this project having said that obviously you know vcs hold a lot of power they can and you know the biggest power they hold is also a threat to the crypto market 
that you know this this i think when we began this conversation i spoke about fad the terminology mm. so one of the most uh, prevalent threats to uh, companies and blockchain projects which are backed by vcs is that if you if you don't dance with the vc the vc might spread fad about your project and if the ah. vc spreads fad because the vc community is so small people might just dump your uh, token and you could be finished so uh, so you know that is one of those uh, oh wow Yeah, so it it means it's like a double edged uh, double edged sword. There is obviously a silver lining to having VCs because they open up a lot of doors, they open up access to all the uh, ecosystem participants and mm-hmm. so on. But then obviously you are also on the downside that, in a way, they try to uh, consolidate their portfolio by making the various portfolio companies work with each other, build value for each other, add value to each other, and <laughs> ultimately what that ends up doing is that it just ends up moving money from VCs one wallet to another wallet. And uh, true. You know, it's like a the the fool's game theory is just being taken on a much grander uh, scale when it comes to uh, three. <laughs> so, with with the virtual real estate that you are talking, I think uh, building spaces uh, in a digital land which someone cannot own. I mean, rather they cannot touch, they cannot feel, but you know they have uh, ownership to that space is something that is completely crazy. Um, this is something that I've often wondered that the gamers who created various kinds of you know. Uh, virtual reality spaces and worlds within themselves actually knew this far earlier man in the process much before all this craze came around to be i completely completely agree with you but i personally think na hardik that uh, even though they knew that this is going to be the future i don't think anybody could have envisioned ki how much of a you know how much of a big development will happen uh, around this uh, space with the exception of some companies like epic games wagera who have, who have obviously been in the market for long enough to you know drive the trend but i think mm-hmm. most uh, most gamers themselves as well as game developers and uh, people who work in the industry would not have imagined the uh, level of opportunity that the metaverse and the multiverse uh, opens up Mm-hmm. So, with when people are spending like millions of dollars on you know these land parcels in various platforms like Decentraland or Roblox or Sandbox or even I mean Somnium Space as well and and many other spaces more. Um, what is driving this this crazy crazy spending? Because at this point in time, uh, do people know uh, that this sort of land parcel is going to give them outsized returns or is it all you know either hedging the bets across multiple multiple investments seeing what works what doesn't work like i'm 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 fascinated i'm i'm equally perplexed with with this kind of money that is being spent in virtual real estate oh so the, so the money is basically like you know it's like a good thing you ask but there are like many people like you know including jack dorsey himself who have followed the money trail and um, i think not surprisingly the the reason that a lot of these uh, virtual lands are sold for outsized uh, by valuations is that the the blockchain uh, investors or the blockchain companies who have purchased these lands are invested in by the same set of vcs who are also the investors in the metaverses themselves mm. so uh, you know matlab aisa karke na the vcs are actually getting so much pr value and uh, stuff out of this that what they do is that they will tell one project ki hey i have given you say 3 million in funding why don't you spend half a million and acquire this parcel of land in another uh, wow. metaverse which i have which i have only backed and what <laughs> they do is that when that when that news comes out on twitter na that causes the common man to also go and buy oh man मतलब ये पंप एंड डंप का जो स्टार्टिंग पॉइंट इन्वेस्टिंग virtual real estate yeah so so correct that, that two, two two things to this right one is that you know in the stock market we have this concept of uh, leading indicator and lagging uh, indicator leading mm. indicator basically just means that uh, if a trend is about to happen the leading indicator may show that the trend will occur and the lagging indicator is some kind of a metric which changes after the event has already happened so in this case na what is happening is that is that the vc investments are the leading uh, indicator for the retail uh, community 
which basically means that uh, if you see some of the top uh, metaverses like decentraland sandbox roblox and so on so much vc money is being pumped uh, into them either directly or via different uh, crypto p- projects that automatically the retail investors have taken notice of only those uh, metaverses so i think the safest bet as a retail investor going forward is to just follow the money right wherever the smart money has already put their money probably put your money in the same place because if you go and back something which nobody else is backing um even though that might give you an outsized return the probability is super 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 low because the vcs who have initially caused the pump and the major metaverses they will at one point want to uh, cash out and get their uh, returns right so if you are in the game before they cash out even you will get to ride that uh, wave of uh, price appreciation Makes but i think uh, having having said that na hardik there are like a few hundred metaverses okay which are being developed and in various uh, steps of development but honestly i think it's like you know one of those days in the 90s where we had like dot com uh, e-commerce websites for everything and in the end we ended up having a con- consolidation of e-commerce similarly we are already seeing a consolidation of metaverses as well so on so my in my opinion there will not be more than like maybe 6 or maximum 10 metaverses which mm. will really uh, drive uh, adoption and traffic and will get enough of attraction for them to become uh, mainstream uh, metaverses you jo baki log aa rahe hain na they are like just burning uh, money and stuff but some of them might get acquired by these uh, other metaverses but some, most of them will just die out because what you end up seeing is just ghost towns there are many metaverses mm. already which have already been built they are they are operating completely fine but because they don't have the marketing muscle of uh, some something like a decentraland right nobody is nobody is mm. that in it so if you are the only guy in that metaverse you don't want to be the only guy in the metaverse true basically. true so you will not true. you will not want to go there and if you are there already then what you will want to do is you will want to dump your holding over there and go somewhere else which is more cool true i think i think there's a lot of i think uh, merit around uh, the the thing that you mentioned about consensus right i think when there is visible traffic being seen to a certain place i think people want to go to that and and i think that's that's fair there's nothing wrong with it because people do not want to unnecessarily take uh, chances in places that they are not aware of um and and the thing that really got me excited about and rather confused about as well at the same point in time was i think i was reading something about snoop dog he purchased like um a very interesting uh, land parcel uh, in one of the metaverses and there was someone who paid and i'm not kidding when i when i heard this they paid about half a million dollars to be snoop dog's neighbor in the virtual land space and i'm like and i couldn't wrap my head around it i thought like this is something so crazy that you do not i mean it's something that you will never actually physically be able to feel but yet you are spending on a virtual piece of land which is in the hopes of getting appreciated and then giving you a, a return in the future so it's been it's been a hard thing to to is to look at it right one i think the the lemon video look at it would be that a half a million dollar to be snoop dogs neighbor is a bargain because in the real world that half a million will never make you snoop dogs uh, neighbor hmm. but hmm. Having, having said that what he has basically done right is that a lot of these metaverses enable you to create you know for example if you have a city right and you are a big developer of real estate you can develop a township which is your own um, kind of a, a small part of that city so snoop dog is basically developed his own township like a, mm. like a, a a mini metaverse within a man, larger uh, metaverse mm. and the mm. person who purchased that plot of land did it with the assumption that currently he is getting to be snoop dog's neighbor that is okay it comes with its own uh, you know basically like you read about it i read about it the guy yeah, who social thing, signaling social signaling correct that is the like a status symbol right to become his uh, neighbor but the other bet which he is taking very smartly is that if snoop dog has chosen a particular parcel of the metaverse to make his uh, township in it is very likely that he will influence his other friends from hollywood and the music industry to come and be close to him mm. and uh, if more and more people start buying land within that same uh, vicinity of the metaverse prices will keep shooting up and then this guy who spent half a million his parcel could suddenly be worth 50 million as well after a couple of years got it got it i think i think probably from that perspective there seems to be like merit in that thinking but i think it's only when you're sitting on that flush of cash uh will you be able to you know take these outsized bets oh but, uh, but i'm sorry to interrupt na but happen one very important thing to think to note is that you know this kind of uh, assumption na 
is actually very uh, risky to make in the web3 space this is not the mm. so even if, actually you know when even i was like a crypto virgin so to say i used <laughs> to think the same same way you know this is like a rich man's game but ironically that, that is not the case for example just yesterday i can send you the twitter link later there is a guy who's a so you have you heard of this nft project called board ape yacht club mm-hmm. yes yes of course हाँ तो वन ऑफ द कलेक्टर्स ऑफ वन ऑफ द अर्ली कलेक्टर्स ऑफ ना ही ओन्स समथिंग लाइक थर्टीन फोर्टीन एप्स स्टिल ही गॉट एन ऑफर फ्रॉम समबडी टू परचेज वन ऑफ हिज बोर्ड एप्स फॉर समथिंग लाइक फोर फिफ्टी के यूएसडी ओके सो ओवर लाइक इजिली ओवर टू पॉइंट टू फाइव करोड़ रुपीज फॉर अ सिंगल बोर्ड एप्स टर्न डाउन दी ऑफर नाउ my first uh, thought when i read this is that this guy is probably like a millionaire for him half a million extra does not uh, you know if they could drop in the bucket right but hmm. that is not the case now this is a guy who staying somewhere in midwestern us in a 750 square feet one bedroom apartment with a monthly uh, income of less than 2000 dollars right wow but he oh, has wow. he, he is such he is so he has so much conviction his board ape is worth more than half a million that he just turned it down oh wow this is interesting so when you come to think of it from that lens i, I think i think people inherently believe and, and i think it's also not like a, for a lack of a better word a rich person's game i think uh, even even the common folks can participate is from what you're telling me as well ha huh, because see board ape shortcut bagara is like it's like one example where the nfts are extremely expensive right but if you look at the broader consensus na see there will be there will be one day after the whole government uh, regulation is in place when bitcoin will start trading even on the bombay stock exchange that time uh, that time the level of uh, spike in uh, trading volume demand and probably price will be so much right that whatever current levels of uh, price bitcoin is at might seem like a bargain in the context of nfts there are many good artwork based nfts which cost uh, a few hundred dollars or you know even even lesser than that and uh, there are people who take outsized bets by collecting hundreds of such uh, cheap nfts in the hopes that you know it's like it's like that vc mentality ki, like you take 10 bets one bet will get you like a 1000 x return and then the other yeah, 19 right. go to shit it won't make a difference right right but yeah um, the opportunity is still there man like we are like it is not too late either in crypto tokens coins or in uh, nfts it, it, in fact we are all very early still that's encouraging to hear uh i uh, was really fascinated with one of the things that you were discussing earlier is about the the nft drop you did with the ranveer singh deepika padukone's film 83 um how did that really come about and and what was the success like what were your metrics like when you actually started off with this project uh so 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 83 movie um, you know it's one of, it's one of those iconic movies which is like basically it's a perfect it's a perfect uh, ip uh, to make a nft out of because that movie basically uh, serves the emotions of two major uh, audiences right one is the cricket fan base which in india is massive second is the bollywood uh, fan base so we were we were fortunate that we got a exclusive par- partnership with the producers of the movie and we did an exclusive nft drop with them but having said that now when we uh, what 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 we have done is that we have done the drop in multiple uh, collections multiple phases so to say currently mm-hmm. we have already launched two collections and two collections are yet to be uh, yet to be launched uh, you know when we when we did the drop or rather when when we were even talking to reliance and, and the other producers about our strategy around this i think uh, one of the points of consensus amongst all the stakeholders was that this should be something that is easy enough for every cricket and bollywood fan even in tier 3 tier 4 cities to participate in mm-hmm. and uh, the kind of you know the acid test or the litmus test of whatever solution we built to facilitate this drop was whether it is easy enough or not to do this from the time that you learn about this uh, 83 collection to completing your purchase whether it's a journey of less than 2 minutes or not when we built out the entire product that 2 minute test was what we had assigned all our developers that hey guys from the moment that a person lands onto our page to the time that he completes a purchase if the entire process accounting for all the variables does take longer than 2 minutes then this marketplace is not going to go live and that 2 minute metric was very uh, important because it helped us cut out a lot of 
the, the lot of the unnecessary uh, you know decorations which nft marketplaces have and the mm-hmm. other, other thing we did is that india may the crypto crypto buying community is something like 18 million people mm-hmm. but uh, the number of bollywood and cricket fans are in the 100 million plus range so right. we did not want to miss out on them so what we did is that we made it easy enough for anybody who has no clue what a cryptocurrency is or what an nft is to also be able to come and make a purchase so uh, the way we did, did, did that is that we integrated uh, fiat payment options which means that people can come they can pay from everything using uh, phone pay uh, phone pay google pay all the way till their uh, bank transfers and credit debit cards plus if they are crypto native people and they have crypto wallets they can obviously come and make purchases using the cryptocurrencies too so one of our metrics was for success, of, of success at the back end was to track how many people who purchase these nfts are crypto natives versus non crypto natives matlab kitne log aake they will treat this purchase journey as an e-commerce uh, transaction where they simply mm. want to own the moment of the movie and luckily the ratio as of to- today is something like 54 and 46 so 54% of the people who came to our platform purchased using cryptocurrencies but 46% have purchased it using non crypto methods using fiat payment and mm. that 46 number is matlab it's mind blowing when 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 you know if you had asked me like two months back ki what will that be i would have told you more like 5 to 10% will come and use fiat but it's oh, already wow. at 46% which goes to show that there is a whole world of web 2 audiences out there for whom if you simplify their onboarding into the web 3 ecosystem na they would love to participate बट वो ऑनबोर्डिंग फ्रिक्शन निकालना बहुत जरूरी है एंड दैट ऑनबोर्डिंग फ्रिक्शन ना टू बी एबल टू रिमूव इट एज मच एज पॉसिबल वी कैप दैट मेट्रिक फ्रॉम डे वन ऑफ दैट जर्नीस that's that's a uh, very exciting to hear and some very pertinent ऑब्जर्वेशन वैन सो वैन लाइक लाइक आई वॉन्ट सॉर्ट ऑफ यू नो tread along the line of of the web2 user which is which is the most of us people in the market who have relatively nascent understanding of what web3 would be or what cryptos would be or what nfts are so let's say you would want to give someone an advice that uh if you want to make money out of nfts these are the things that you should be aware of uh, what are some key pointers that you would recommend there uh so so one key pointer is uh, utility uh utility matlab kya hota hai ki basically see the you 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 owning a piece of uh, digital media a jpeg or a mp4 file is one thing right but once you own the piece what do you get in uh, in return and uh, basically this is like the value seeking mentality right bold ape yacht club for for for, for example gave you access to an actual yacht club yacht club in miami you be, you became uh-huh. a member of that club which you owned the bold ape uh, nft similarly right. what we are doing at uh, is that with our marketplace at social swag humne kya socha ki what kind of utility do we want to offer uh, people and what we thought is that because we are getting an audience base which is at the intersection or the, at the intersection of bollywood and cricket let us give them utility which is bollywood and cricket related so what we have done is that in our case we have given the utility in terms of we we give basically we have given two utilities one utility is that we give them access to this social swag vvip club this basically means ki aage jaake whenever we have uh, more and more movies coming in mm-hmm. there will be certain curated experiences around the movie ranging from access to movie premieres uh, meet and greets with the cast members virtual face time with the cast members and so on which will be made available for free to all the uh, holders of our uh, nfts so that they are getting some value out of holding the nft because we don't want it to make we, we never wanted that the 83 nft collection becomes a pump and dump uh, scheme right where we sell mm-hmm. it to people one time and the people immediately go to open sea and try to flip it because they have nothing else to do but to flip it in in our case by giving this utility of giving people access to certain curated experiences we are actually incentivizing them to hold on to the nft because the benefits that they will get access to by holding on will be experiences that they have no other way to uh, access for example if you want to get access to a ranveer singh movie pe- premiere unless you have the bollywood contacts there's no way to get in True. but now we have a way for you, for you to get in which is simply to own the nft 
Very interesting. So that has truly democratized the opportunity for people to get hands-on access uh, with 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 something that was actually closed door opportunity. Exactly, and and the thing is, this also helps build a community, right? Because what we are trying to do is not just to you know do one eighty uh, three drop and uh, be be like a fly by night uh, operator. Hum, our goal is that we want to become with with social swag. The goal is to become India's largest marketplace. for official entertainment uh, nfts which means mm-hmm. that we have to cultivate and develop a community of nft collectors who would want to spend money on entertainment uh, nfts so we want mm-hmm. to incentivize people with all sorts of mechanisms like utilities and so on and which comes back come back to your previous question that if somebody wants to make a nft purchase what is the one thing they should be looking out for yeah i think above everything else now the key thing is what is the utility of the nft some nfts give you access to like a dao where you get to make uh, decisions on what happens with the money that the company will raise by selling nfts some nfts mm-hmm. will simply give you airdrops of a cryptocurrency if you hold the nft some nfts will give you such utilities where you get access to a sporting event and so on so we are very uh, so i believe that utility is the main driver of value and the main holder of value and that is what we should be looking out for so which, which is why with social swag the utility we are giving is access to bollywood events on my own on our own it's my application this is a sport specific application over there the utility we are giving is access to match tickets uh, and uh, you know some autographed memorabilia by athletes and stuff to the people who hold and buy the nfts so in both the cases we are giving people a direct utility which is tied in with the fundamental reason that they bought it in, in the first place Hmm. Hmm. I think this is this is very interesting. Um, Athar, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. So many things that we've been able to unpack. Um, thanks for doing this, bro. Thank you for having me, Hartik. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of Jamsters, please make sure you subscribe to Eplog Media and all major podcasting platforms such as Spotify, Jio Seven, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, among many others, for upcoming episodes. You know, I love listening from each one of you. So please make sure you share this podcast with your friends and family and your colleagues and please make sure to drop a comment on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there and also if you're listening on Epilog Media they've recently launched a feature where you can comment on the particular episode too your support is my fuel you can connect with me on Instagram @hardikdivedya or on LinkedIn too catch you on the other episode